And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter. More importantly, that is at HEFpod. You can follow the podcast and all the latest episodes that drop, you know, wherever you find your podcast, whether on Spotify, SoundCloud, or uh, Apple Podcasts. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. You can also find us on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash HEFpod. All the latest Eintracht news and information, all in the English language, all in one convenient location. And, of course, you can follow us on Instagram. That is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, got a lot of interactive stuff going on there. And a few giveaways that will be happening over the next coming weeks. So, wow, what a weekend. Uh, uh, one, sadly, that is not going to be forgotten anytime soon. Let's put it that way and not in the best of ways. And, uh, yeah, here to talk about Eintracht and Bielefeld and all the action that's been going on off the pitch, we start in the north with Chris in Detroit. Hey, uh, so tonight I'm drinking, uh, oh, we're not there yet. I, can we just skip to that part? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get there soon enough. The other guy chuckling along is none other than Matt in New York. How is the Big Apple? Uh, it could be better. A little sour on the side today. Well, you know, blame the Granny Smith. Yeah, that's for sure. I blame <laughs> I, I blame the the boys more, honestly. Yeah, let's talk about the boys and the um, the sad truth that you know what we're not probably gonna win the uh, Europa League this upcoming season because you know when you play like you do against Bielefeld. Now, give Bielefeld credit. They have been pulling in the points that they are likely to need to be able to ensure survival in the Bundesliga for a second consecutive season. But when you come home to the Vodstadion, I don't care how many people there are in the stands, when you're playing against a Bielefeld, a team that is in the bottom quarter, the bottom fifth of the table, you'd be kicking their ass. End of story. Instead, it is a 0-2 loss. To Bielefeld. Now, we haven't had great sex again, uh, success against Bielefeld in the first division. But, I mean, we're having to go back all the way to 2004. That's quite a long ways. And I don't really think that the Eintracht should be concerning themselves with things such as the sheep that are, I mean, at Bielefeld. Because, you know, it's a place that doesn't exist. And when you're talking about places that might exist, might not exist, usually it's just big old vast tracts of land full of sheep. And the Eintracht cowered like a little sheep uh, up for the slaughter. And uh, yeah, that first half sucked. I mean, sucked, sucked, sucked. I mean, I don't think the first half sucked. I think the whole game kind of sucked. I mean, we just we just didn't seem like we were right there. I mean, Hinty Hinty looked so lost in the in the defensive end, and like his, you can tell his confidence is so shot. And like, I don't want to keep making the the same excuses for him that you know he's injured and whatnot. You know, he's got a torn labrum and everything like that. But like, dude, sh- you shut it if you need to shut it down for a little longer than just a month, like you did earlier. Shut it down. Um, I mean, I think that's really really started with our defensive woes. I mean. It could, it's a combination of everything, too, where Bielefeld and, for some reason, Fuerts are finding success early in the second half of the season, you know? I mean, it tied with Freiburg um, uh, two weeks ago, and then Fuerts tied with Stuttgart, which isn't that as impressive. But, look, Fuerts beat Mainz this past weekend, too. So, I don't know whether we just are, we just got found ourselves in this unlucky, like, funk of, like, games where, like, we shit the bed against Dortmund and we... Uh, well, we first of all tied against Augsburg, then we should have got to shit the bed against Dortmund, and then you know we lose to Bielefeld. I'm like, you know, who could be a hot team? I don't know if it's just a mix of you know the bad teams finding their form and us just being really bad right now, but um, it's definitely definitely a tough time, and we do not look good at all. You know, I made a point um, coming out of the Dortmund match when we blew that lead. And lost points. I said, hey, the next five matches, uh, Augsburg, Bielefeld, uh, Stuttgart, Wolfsburg, Cologne, 
a lot of points to be picked up before we go to Bayern. And the way that we played well, even though we blew the lead against Dortmund, the way we were playing with confidence for most of that match, the way we had played in the matches prior to that, everything was trending the right direction. And I think the kick in the nuts that was that last 20 minutes against Dortmund is still stinging us right now because we have, we have no punch whatsoever. Uh, we're more talented than Bielefeld. But once again, and we kind of warned about this during the preview for this match, uh, they they bring it all against the top teams. And while they struggle to score goals, their defense is legitimate. And we got to talk for a minute about that that first, the, the Rabona. That, <laughs> I mean, you just got to shake your head and say, hey, that was a hell of a hell of a pass, hell of a finish, dude. This Wimmer kid looks looked like he's like a German Messi or yeah, something, no like shit. a German Neymar in a sense. You know, like he literally he, we made him look so good. Like every single time he got in the ball, he was dangerous. He literally, I don't even think he looked up from the ball half the time. He literally had his head down and went right through our throats. He his his sweet spot was right between Hinterega and uh, Indica. Like he didn't bother with Tuta. Tuta has actually been playing a good game. Tuta has been a baller for us recently on the defensive side of things. It but like goes to what you dude. were saying about Hinty. Uh, I'm not holding it against him personally. I know he's going through some stuff physically, mentally. I, I hear you. I feel that. I I want nothing but the best for you. But we gotta win some games here. And it's several games that have come down to marking inside the box being an issue or getting beat um, coming back into the box on the rush. Like, we can't keep saying, well, he's trying, he's trying. You know, we we got to find a way to fix this problem, whether it's in transfers or something in our formation. Uh, it'll sink or shit. I can't believe I said that. But we have to do something because we can't keep saying, hey, we'll get the next one. Because we just dropped four points over the last two matches in a stretch where we should be able to put those in the bank. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think we need to have some defensive, um, you know, get some, get our defensive confidence up. You know, I don't know, I don't know whether we should Hase, play Haseba, you know, in the starting role for a little bit, and you know, help him to get that, you know, confidence back up with maybe just the four of them in the back, and then maybe drop Roda away from the, um, you know, from the midfield position, have So kind of command the middle. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of options there are. I don't think we're going to get away from the three in the back. You know, if anything, what I can really see happening is Haseba starting for us, uh, for the next couple of games or so, you know, and he's staying on the bench. Yeah. Um, and even which, if you know, we switch, really good thing. even if we switch tactically to four in the back, that doesn't help us moving the ball forward and getting the push up front where we're struggling too. So if we're going to struggle, I think we're better off struggling with three in the back. Agreed. I just, I just think we can, we sometimes just find our flair on the offensive side of things, where we have yet to find anything on the defensive side of things. I mean, sure. we've been, we've shut out, we've been, we've been shut out more than we've had clean sheets this season, you know. And that, that kind of is from the flow from towards the last part of uh, uh, last season. So um, it's, I, I, I think I'm like our our offensive is a hit or miss, which I'm fine with. I'd rather have something that's a hit or miss on the offensive side of things than that's consistently bad on the defensive side of things. So if we have a hit or a miss on the defensive side of things, then you know that could be a lot more exciting for us. You know, we have more a lot lot more wins than ties and you know crappy losses against freaking Armenia Bielefeld. But I don't know. It's just my kind of like. We won't change. That that's the beauty of this whole thing here. We could be talking here for another like thirty minutes about what what we need to change and stuff like that, but nothing will change. You know, the only thing that will change is Pinty probably won't be starting for the next couple of games. But that's probably and it. we can put Hasebe in there, but we're gonna have these same conversations. We've had these same conversations over the last month um, when that change was made, and it's not that neither one of them is good. They both are smart players and generally do the right thing it's that once or twice a match where we need you there and you're not available and that's the problem for me i'll take a look at uh, what martin hinteregger uh, examined uh, uh when uh it came to uh, after the match and 
excuse the translation that I utilized uh, if I get it wrong from what the original German was. Uh, sorry, folks, uh, I'm not perfect. Being an eagle means part of a family and standing together, even when things don't go well, as they are. That's me answering that. I know some of you are disappointed in my athletic performance right now. I, in all honesty, so am I. And, of course, I'm belatedly dealing with what it is. I think there are many reasons. Jumping joint and shoulder last year, the hamstring now, my head making the wrong decisions, and especially that I miss you all brutally in the stadium. That can't be an excuse. It's not. But without you, the hint is just half a hint. I'm putting it on. It my I'm I'm putting uh it in my all. I promise. And uh, we are eagles after all. The rest of it is just kind of a bad freaking uh, translation. And let's look at some of the other. I mean, the quotes from Glasner. And I will point out that you know. Uh, when he took over for Wolfsburg, he also had peaks and valleys in his first season. Wolf's second season, able to get them into the Champions League after kind of cocking up the very, very early part of the season. But then that you know the relationship just got shattered over there. And that's an entirely different thing that we might hit on later in the podcast. But... He talked about how, uh, I'll just go right to it, beautiful, uh, from Glasner, Bielefeld made the perfect start to the match. Uh, their first chance resulted in the first goal, their second chance, and the second goal. We tried everything, but it didn't come off. It felt like Bielefeld's confidence grew with every chance, and ours decreased a little bit. If you don't score, you don't win the match. So it was a deserved defeat in the end. We need to make, make our own luck again. I'm not getting anxious, though, because I saw the lads tried everything. Now it's keeping our chins up and move. Uh, moving on, we've often spoken about conceding needle goals. Now it's time for us to improve that. We've already gone through a number of difficult situations, and now we have two weeks to work hard and get back on track. Now is the time to up. improve? Oh, my God. Like, now he realizes it. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. But, I mean, I'm still looking at uh, some of the issues that, like, go back even to November when we started getting some stuff working for us. So we got that last ditch uh, at the end of October. We had that last ditch draw against Leipzig. We had that uh, last ditch win against Goroita Firth. And then after that, if you take away the just kind of seesaw that was freaking uh, Hoffenheim, uh, you know, Eintracht was able to come through, yes, with uh, a last-minute goal against Union to get that one and some nervy stuff against Glavak. Like, when they have had time to kind of figure things out, they, with international breaks, they tend to uh, figure things out. So I'm leaning more towards, uh, in case anyone didn't uh, preface this, in case anyone did not recognize this, um, there's now going to be an international break so that um, Asia, North America, and South America can uh, go through World Cup qualifiers and that the African Cup of Nations could kind of just finish off everything that they've been uh, dealing with in the meantime. Don't forget with our friendly on Thursday, people. too, against Mainz. Yeah, and a, fr- and a friendly on Thursday against Mainz. And who, who, to me, this is the perfect time for them to just be like, you know what? The Mainz match is just going to be a run out. We can focus on what... Hey, look... Uh, when we are running with two matches per week, that that can be really difficult in terms of getting the, you know, if you're ma- wanting to make changes in how things are being done, it's very hard when you're playing two matches a week uh, to get things uh, like that changed. Now, I don't know what the heck's been going on with the boys right now, but this time off to kind of be like, okay, we kind of fucked that up. Uh, there's your the tag right there. And uh, I, I, this is this is the time for the team to kind of do whatever they need to do, get their heads right. Because, like you said, Chris, you know, Augsburg, Bielefeld, Stuttgart, Wolfsburg, Kuhn, right before, you know, Bayern. Now, granted, you know, there's plenty of other highly winnable matches uh, after the Bayern Munich match. But the sheer fact of the matter is, like, 
We're going to be playing in Europe in the not-too-distant future. We're playing only one match per week, whilst all the other guys were dealing with the Bay Pokal. What a bunch of surprises that brought. The fact is, they have the t- they should have had the time to fix things, uh, to like have perfected what they needed to bring in, you know, for the Bundesliga match of the week, and it hasn't happened yet. So the question now here is. Where is the fault lie? You know, we had seen progress for Glasner, and we have seen us regress. So where is it? Is it all over the place? Or is this like one thing that we can uh, just do a bandage over that could be an easy fix right now? We talked about it. Nothing's an easy fix. We talked about it before (laughs) the Christmas break um, while we looked at the historical record coming out of the winter pause. for the Eintracht, there's no clear, we play well, we play poor. We're kind of all over the map. And that's exactly where we are now. We're all over the map. There's not a lot of clarity as far as who's staying, who's coming, who's going, uh, you know, who's confident, who's playing well. There are a couple guys playing very good. Um, but I think it. I'm not going to put it on Glossner. He said, this is the program. We're sticking with it. He's found his routine, I think. We're seeing quality subs that are having impacts in the game. Um, I think it's on the players to get focused. You know, it, we're at a point here where you got to prove yourself and prove that we're, we're still in the mix for Europe. We're also still in the mix for a relegation battle. Um, the table is very tight, and this is a prove-it kind of point. The, the manager cannot prove it beyond putting the right lineup out there. He does his job. The players have to perform. And this is where they have to to clench their teeth and put in the extra work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree and disagree. And then I agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I think I think it's like I said earlier, it's it's been starting since towards the end of last season while we're making our Champions League push, you know. I think we're at the de- we have, we're having some defensive worries that are sh- are you know way too important to overlook. Um, I think I don't I don't believe we're good enough to play three in the back. In my opinion, you know, where I think we're too inexperienced. You know, with Indika and Tutu who are both under twenty three, and then we have Hinty who is struggling with form right now. You know, um, when Hinty was you know doing great, you know we. You know, we had Tuto who was struggling in form. You know, we had David Abraham who was playing injured, um, and then he ended up retiring. But it, it's, I think, on the defensive side of things, I think we need to reshuffle things, and I don't know how to reshuffle things. And this is me being a broken record from your mind earlier conversation, Chris, where it's like, can we go with four in the back? And probably we won't be able to do that. So, you know, I think last game's fault was, yeah, go uh, ahead. I was just going to bring that up because you brought up Tuta and Abraham too. Um, When I joined this podcast almost two years ago now, we talked about our aging defense. And we have this young guy, Tuta, in the mix somewhere. And how is that going to play out? And A young Indica, but we're not getting any younger in the middle. And while we added Hinterager, um, I mean, still, it's not all on him. But we're not getting younger still. You know, when our backup is, is the ageless wonder in Hasebe, in that center uh, position, we're we're kind of screwed. We don't have a backup plan right now, and we have to find a way to to strengthen the defense with practically no resources. So you have to look at who you have in place now. We cannot rely on transfers at this point in the year. We know how long, especially defensive transfers, how long it takes them to get into the flow. Um, we're not looking at the window as a realistic option to shore up the defense as far as the immediate next three to four weeks impact. And the next three to four weeks is going to term- determine whether we're fighting for Europe or we're just playing the middle table game. So for me, in all this talking I'm doing and babbling on, um, we failed to address the issue of an aging defensive core two, three years ago. And we're seeing that come about now is a problem that might sink the ship. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, and 
I don't want to, you know, get too much into it because we'll talk about the transfers in a minute, but it definitely seems like these transfers made this year or this January are for next year. It seems like we're just kind of going with the flow, you know, towards the end of this year. But again, don't want to get into it just yet, but agreed. Well, um, I kind of mentioned it. Uh, Gosner had his kind of peaks and valleys. He had a different sort of team that he was working with at Wolfsburg uh, by a long shot. And, yeah, our defense is something that is aging. Um, I think I'd like to kind of switch you over, Chris, to some of the transfer uh, actions that's going on. Uh, Smolich is looking like he's is definitely coming to the Eintracht. For me, I'm like, all right, that's one defender signed. And kind of waiting for finding out who the second one is. I'd like to think that anyone who might be tracking Indica will leave him alone for at least two more years. But you know, now let me ask you a question. Market change, market dis, market might uh, force our hands if we're not playing in uh, the Europa League, and he feels that he needs to continue to participate uh, in the Europa League playing in UEFA competition, you know, to basically give him a shot at uh, eventually making uh, uh, France an uh, international So because roster. you're better on the economics front and the, the contracts front, mm. um, his value, I mean, they were talking 40-plus million for him in, in the last 12 months. Obviously, with COVID finances continuing to be an issue globally, that's not in play right now. But... It's been said publicly that we're in a financial uh, holding pattern at the moment. So do we take the best offer for him and say, hey, can we swing two or three guys for depth, maybe get lucky on one of them uh, and, you know, sell them for the best offer right now? For me, no. And here's why. Agreed. Um, If you... Look, if nothing else, lose him for free. Because the worst worst thing that could happen is sell him when you're kind of in a struggling mode and you just hope that you can get through, get by. You know, both the guys mentioned that uh, teams that we were uh, discussing in the relegation uh, area have been picking up points. You know, look, hey, you don't get rid of, to me, one of the, one of the, brighter players when it comes to Eintracht's roster uh, for this season. Look at look at the number of uh, late-headed goals that he has. I mean, yeah. so you're basically wanting to just wipe those away. That's also no, value, too. Uh, if I'd every ra- goal ra- adds a million or two to, to that number, that's another signing right there. Here's my problem, though. If we end up signing in Dika for $40 million, what are we going to do with that $40 million? We're just going to disperse it. We're going to disperse for three seven million dollar transfers, maybe you know, or maybe at one seven mil, one five mil, one three mil, and you know, hope for the best on those kind of yeah. transfers. It's, I mean, we don't do much with our money anyway. So, I mean, I don't. I've always preached for us to try to keep the best talent because if we keep the talent here, that's going to attract more international players to come here. That's going to attract consistency in our team. And it seems like we've been doing that fairly well. You know, I mean, with the most tenured player besides with the obvious of Timothy Chandler and whatnot. I mean, and Dika's been with us for about three years. We had Roda leave and come back. You know, Kosic has been with us for a couple of years now. So has Kamada. Um, Jibril Sol is with us for a few years now. So, you know, hopefully we can kind of keep that consistency because, I mean, I, as long as we kind of keep the core, and I mean the core of our players are probably Jibril So, Andika. Jakic now. Jakic now. <laughs> Jakic four more years, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, uh, you, you're very much right. I look at Indica now as... In the same light that I look at uh, Kostic, like he's been, he's got incredible flexibility. He, without him, I mean, Tuta, that'd be asking so much of Tuta, though Tuta has really kind of stepped up to the plate. I mean, I'm looking at the contracts right now. You got Indica, who, technically speaking, if Cameroon realizes that they have no defense ahead of this upcoming uh, 2022 World Cup, you know, if they find out that this African Cup of Nations are like, we're a little light, he could then get, you know, 
capture that. But anyways, um, <laughs> getting away from that a little bit. Um, he's uh, Indica, Tuta, and Kostic. They all have their contracts expiring in 2023, along with Torre. I mean, uh, I mean, the Costa expires in. We'll sell Kostic like before we time. before his contract expires. I mean, to me, it's a matter of like for the squad long term, it's better it you can pay defenders less. As I mean, which Bayern is finding out is gonna bite them right in the ass, because David Alba has left. Uh a certain Nicolas Sula has left, but let's be frank, uh unless we start winning every single bloody match, uh it's gonna be very hard for us to tempt Nicolas Sula to come to the Eintracht. Plus you know how much money we'd have to pay for him. Look, I'd love it if the guy would come back. He when he left as a youth for Darmstadt. You know when you're young, you you got no idea. But he's an Eintracht fan like through and through, Frankfurt guy through and through. And you know I may have sent a tweet out that said you know, like, "Hey, Nicholas Sula, uh, gonna be a free agent. You know at the end of this at the end of this contract uh, on July first, you can always come to Eintracht." I said that in jest because I didn't really think you just wanted to join the Twitter banter. That was it. <laughs> That's all you wanted to do. And the funniest part about that is just like it it would never happen. Like, and not only just because sure. of uh, the obvious financial reasons. Nicolas Sula is not a three in the back center back. He needs to have three additional people to support him for him to thrive thoroughly. If he was a lone center he's back all, in the that, three in the that back, boy is yikes. he's fast. He's big. He scares the living hell out of people. He just got to He scares everyone because you know he scares uh you know offenses because they're like how the hell are we gonna get past the guy. He also scares uh you know his own fans because they're thinking oh fuck it's only a matter of time before you fuck your knee up and we're all screwed. But you know that being said, <laughs> uh, let's get to uh yeah. You kind of mentioned it. Uh, Jakic uh, has been signed uh, permanently, so he's signed until 2026. To me, he is one of the two signings that have been absolutely slam dunks for the performances that we've gotten from them so far. And I do think that uh, as much as he may be captain, that Rode coming off of the bench might be a better option. But, you know, let... Every, let the cards kind of show that that is the correct way moving forward. Another player who has, to me, been really a great player since he joined the, the squad and really, to me, one that if it wasn't for freaking injuries, we'd be talking about him so much more and would offer us the chance to do an actual proper back four if we wanted to. Lentz, he's back in training along with uh, Helga. I mean... To me, he's going to be almost like a new signing, just having him available as an option, as someone that we can play out wide a little bit should Kostic, you know, be really just dragging ass late in the match, and you're like, we need to pull him off now before he hurts himself. Or we are able to offer ourselves a different entire uh, formation that we're able to run, because we're running a lot of, you know, the previous stuff, but... I would almost say that it's like uh, right now what Glasner has been playing at has been a uh, kind of hybrid version of what you saw between uh, Kovac and the Hutter eras. A little bit more fight in the team, like when it comes to the spirit of the squad, which I would say that Hutter was not exactly a guy who inspired like the greatest of comebacks, let's put it that way. But... You know, we, we need some tactical flexibility. And, ever, and Chris, I think it was in freaking early October, you and I were both talking about how we were scared as hell because Chris Lentz was the best player that we had uh, so far on the team, and he had just gotten injured, and we were scared shitless of what was to come. Yeah, I think he can be a stabilizer back in the lineup. He's by no means the talented player that's going to fix all of our problems, uh, but he's good enough on the ball, he's physical enough off the ball to have an impact on the match and prevent some of those plays getting deep into our end without somebody saying, hey, I'm going to slow this down a little bit. So I think him coming back is important for us. We started 
our turnaround right is he got injured and we didn't really get to see everything in full motion. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes now. Interesting how the lineup's going to shuffle, you know. I don't know whether Timmy's going to have a seat or, you know, we're going to, um, you know, put more people in the midfield, you know, have Kamara drop in a little bit more and have Jesper and um, Bore be side-by-side. Maybe we'll go 4-4-2. Um, I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting what's going to happen next. And to just one last thing on the Lintz topic, uh, which I kind of prompted uh, before we go into – uh, so we already mentioned Smolich being signed. Uh, I do have some more news on the Kostic frame, but Linz, um him being signed on a free, that is one of the like you know one of the better pieces of business that we're able to take from the old uh, from the old era, from the Bobic era, which looks like an absolute train wreck by comparison to what he's dealing with, which we look like a flawless beauty compared to the train wreck that he's dealing with now so uh, we can at least have that uh so Kostic uh reason why I mentioned him again because you know Inter Milan doesn't seem to want to go away I think the biggest uh suitor for hit for what he's able to offer may be coming off the table right now because Gozan's um now he was the um he was the kind of wing back uh, who was playing for Germany when they uh, during the Euros and was, in my opinion, possibly one of the best players that they had available. And it looks like Inter is throwing in a large bid for acquiring him from Atalanta, uh, considering the fact that you know Atalanta didn't qualify for the Champions League. Doesn't look like they're go- they're going to this year. But hey, you know they tiny. We're talking like Augsburg, small if not smaller kind of club by the rest of the league standards uh, for those teams that are in the league, that sort of a move to me would really negate uh, the landing spots for Kostic. And that's been the most vocal team in terms of being interested in his services. So who knows? Maybe that will make him think, do I really want to go to freaking Rome for either of these teams who are not going to be playing in the Champions League or Europa League? I mean, you know... Why not, Kostic? Why not sign an extension that apparently is supposedly on the table that uh, we'll be able to keep you around long term? Maybe I'm just wishful thinking here, but... Not really, because, I mean, look who, who we signed. We signed another, you know... Oh, Slavic. yeah, and Gosens is also, like, three... Gosens is also, like, two to three years younger than Kostic. So, kind of almost makes more sense that way. Yeah, but, to, like I said, will we ever actually, you know, pay that much money for him? Will we ever pay that much money for anybody? Most we paid for was Jovic, but he was like 10 mil or so. That's about it. Yeah, uh, how much, Chris, how much was Alaire when we paid for him? Uh, I think he was the first record. He was the 9 like million? the newest record. Was, I'm maybe thinking 23 million for Jovic. Are oh, you talking about the sale price? Buying price. I think buying price he was in in the teens, yeah. like high teens, seventeen somewhere around there. I got it. I think that was only because we brought him on for a second year uh, loan. We extended his loan an additional year, and the buyout uh, negotiated by Benfica was higher. But go figure that they would need every single euro that they had because they. Uh, in the last like two years, have spent over a hundred million euros, and you know they're not exactly in a league that has got you know a domestic TV deal that even comes close to the Bundesliga. For the for the money counters that are out there, anyways, um, I've been talking enough about transfer rumors, transfers. The match is g- done and buried. Chris, you're right. It's time for hashtag. What are we drinking? All right, finally something I'm an expert with. Go ahead. All right. So uh, things were kind of dark for the on track over the weekend. And of course, I like a good theme during this segment. So I was reading an article today about how lagers are the drink of 2022. It's the style of beer that's going this? to make fantastic waves in microbreweries across the land. And so I'm celebrating with a local one uh, from Brew Detroit in Detroit's uh, Corktown neighborhood. They have a 
Mexican-style lager called Cervaza del Rey. I butchered that. Uh, this is the Oscura, the dark version. So it's a dark-style Mexican lager, nice and malty and crisp. It's perfect in these dark days of winter here in Michigan and the dark days of on track. So you're drinking the King's beer, huh? Yeah. That's what it translates to. Oh, fantastic. Roughly. I don't speak Spanish at all. So <laughs> helpful. My Spanish is not that good, but even I can able, I'm able to throw out that in case anyone is wondering. Brian, did you pull that out of your ass? You're good at that, um, in fairness. The Spanish domestic the Spanish domestic si. cup is called Copa del Rey. So Yeah, Del Rey Reza, is a neighborhood Copa del Rey. in southwest Detroit. I put that Mexico. together. Del Rey is our southwest Detroit <laughs> neighborhood. So. Uh, okay, foreigner. Calm down now. Well, let's go to Matt for his uh, – bit for hashtag what are we drinking keeping it simple here with my hazies you know another hey um sloop juice from sloop brewing company nothing like it love a good hazy always a go-to there you go i went a little mixed drink action on this one folks uh in case anyone everyone knows i'm from kansas city uh some people who may follow the other version of football also heard that my weekend wasn't as bad thanks to some crazy, crazy heroics on Sunday night. So I'm kind of a little still running off of that high. I mean, don't fear the Reaper, be the Reaper. I mean, as the coach said. Uh, so I celebrate, I brought in today uh, a little bit of Michigan and a little bit of KC in this one. So I had a, I made myself a gin and ginger uh, gin from a local brewing, a local uh, former brewery and distillery, uh, Jay Riggers, they're, they're back in action in the same building that they occupied until Prohibition kind of killed off the alcohol industry. And to top it off, the ginger ale for gin and ginger was provided by none other than Michigan's finest. Chris, what is that? Uh, that would be Verner's, the original ginger ale since 18, was it 66? Yeah. Yep. And the elixir of life as you have cures everything more than once before instead of covid tests have the have the uh pony express send out burners to every house and we'll have this pandemic over in a week okay (laughs) what was the personal anecdote you told me about this thing um it's long but you gotta you gotta you gotta say you gotta tell it you gotta tell it (laughs) i'm trying to remember which one the covid So, okay. How about, how would I tee it up for you? Uh, you said your mother and your dad both contracted oh, it, yeah. and someone took Verner's, and someone so didn't. My mother recently contracted the virus, and yeah, you know, they did their isolation thing. But they're living in the same home. They're they're doing their thing, keeping as far apart as they can. My mom hates the Verner's. She won't touch it. She won't smell it. Nothing to do it. My father drank Verner's the entire time. He did not contract the virus. So I'm telling you. Joe Biden, if you're listening in, Verner's on every doorstep, done. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, much longer hashtag. I mean, Joe Biden. That, that's probably better advice than Joe Rogan gives. <laughs> oh, that is true. That is very true. Well, that's going to wrap it up for hashtag What Are We Drinking? And segment one of Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. We'll be back in a jiffy with segment two, where we bring back Frauen Corner. So stay with. I promised you we would return with Frauen Corner, and why not? Uh, Geraldine Rutler had signed an extension, extended her contract to 2022. Well done, girls. They also had a victory over Wolfsburg. Why the heck, ladies, couldn't you have pulled that off in the Bundesliga? Ah, well, 
2-1 victory over Wolfsburg in their most recent test match. Now, uh, the ladies don't start uh, the Frauen Bundesliga, uh, resume the Frauen Bundesliga season until uh, February the 6th when we take on Freiburg. But at this point in time, Chris, the moves that have been made, this team is ready to not just take on uh, third. I would even go as far to say this ladies team can finish as high as second place and qualify for the Champions League uh, group phase via that route. Yeah, so it starts with the signings. Uh, for those that aren't aware, we're sitting on 25 points, three points back of first place Bayern. Wolfsburg has one match in hand uh, that was delayed due to COVID. That game will be next week, I believe. Um, likely they jump up. Yep, them and Potsdam. Not, not a no, small match. Potsdam and Wolfsburg, not a small no. match at all. Uh, Wolfsburg has a chance to jump a point ahead of Bayern. But as it sits at this very moment, um, the women of Eintracht are three points out of first as far as points go. And we're making moves not just to solidify uh, a good finish this year, but down the line. Uh, we've made eight signings that run through 2024, including an addition in this window of Sarah Dorison. Uh, Dorson, Dorson, I probably messed that up, uh, who's a regular on the German national team. And that kind of experience, we talked about how young this lineup is, adding a 30-year-old with a wealth of international experience uh, can only help a young team. And she probably won't see the full minutes, but she'll be in there quite a bit. And that's something we need right now because the points that were dropped early in the year we're all in close matches. We were never blown out. We were never out of a match. Um, but we probably could have pulled out one or two more points, turned our only draw into a win, and um, been sitting up in second right now. So we're set up well. I think Nico's got a good thing going on. Uh, he's got confidence in the group. But they have to come out strong. Uh, the first match against Freiburg. Because we got uh, the ever-dreaded Bayern coming up in a few weeks. Uh, so we need to take points against Freiburg. And then I think we have, who do we have? Hoffenheim, um, who's sitting at two right now. So you got to win the games against the teams you're chasing. That's the only way you make up ground. I can totally agree on that. The Eintracht will have to make ground once they uh, exit the, the men's, that is. We'll have to make traction once they exit the international break. We might as well mention uh, that, re-mention that uh, multiple members of the Eintracht team will be uh, jetting across the continent. We got Frustig uh, and Bore who are going out to their teams. Uh, Kamada. So I thought this was a little, uh, a little weird, but uh, Japan didn't call him up, guys. I mean, why are they listening to you guys? I guess so. We must have a really good presence in Japan then. <laughs> but yet he's actually played better in the last couple of weeks relative to where he was, say, November time frame. Um, and to be honest with you, Okugawa probably played a lot better than he did on Friday. So maybe they called him up instead of Kamada. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the Japanese roster, and there are multiple members of uh, there are multiple members from the Bundesliga uh, clubs in from those Vitaliga side, and neither of the play neither of the Japanese players on offer during the Eintracht and Bielefeld match, which there were three, one retired, two existing members, and uh, yeah, none of the existing members got a call up, which I found quite. Strange, but you know what? I, was, I mean, is Japan even TV? that good at they, soccer internationally? I mean, as, as far as, as the Asian, Asian as far as the Asian but clubs, I think. Yeah, I would say as far as the Asian. I goes, think what we're seeing right now is I'm yeah. saying, hey, you need to be more consistent. He's certainly still in the mix for time. It's not like he's been written off entirely from their program, but we see wilding wilding consistencies from him from week to week. And you better believe that their national leadership sees that and says, which which Daichi are we going to get from week to week? Exactly. Well, Australia has called up uh, uh, Hustic 
And uh, so those guys will actually be facing off against uh, two of the lesser teams. Uh, Japan is actually in the same group as Australia. Kind of quite interesting. But you got uh, Australia facing off against Vietnam, who have zero points, and Oman. So, you know, Cruiser might be coming back uh, having scored a goal for Australia. Oh, yeah. Or a, I wouldn't put a pass. Oh, <laughs> There's, I mean, there's a chance. There's a chance. And the likelihood is that Australia will probably be ahead of Japan when it comes to the actual matches. Uh, Colombia is... So, uh, South America, uh, you got 10 countries. They play 18 matches home and away. And so it's a real kind of fun, uh, very long campaign for theirs. Uh, there's a six-point gap between third and fourth place, which is where Colombia is, and Ecuador is in third. So... I mean, you got that spot, and then you got a playoff spot that Colombia is having to battle with, and there's literally like uh, there's five there's freaking five teams that are all within excuse me six teams that are within four points of each other in that mark. Venezuela is long ways off, no shot of really doing anything, but Colombia, Peru, Chile, Uruguay, Bolivia, who hasn't been in the World Cup since the United States hosted in 1994, and Paraguay. Every single one of those guys is up for it. So Bore, who has been either a starter or a player off the bench, has got to be looking at basically, well, uh, as big of a pressure cooker as you could ask for with matches against the likes of uh, Peru and Argentina, though Argentina, like uh, Brazil, has already qualified, so they might uh, go against a very depleted Argentina. Who knows? Best of luck to Bore on that. And, uh, of course, uh, Iman Barkok is still playing in uh, part of Morocco, who actually, at the day of recording, had beaten Malawi uh, in the round of 16 in African Cup of Nations. He came off the bench, his first appearance in the tournament, after having contracted COVID. So that's all the international wrap that I really want to go against. Because I really think that if I talk about the men's national team, I'm just going to freaking jinx them for not just the home matches against El Salvador and Honduras, but the the freaking uh, uh, away match to Canada. And at the, I have seen on more than one occasion some people start asking for uh, Timmy Chandler to be recalled back to the national no. team. And I'm like, it's not that bad. It is not that bad to call him back. Again, so that would be desperate as hell. Oh my god! I mean, we love Timmy, but yeah, exactly. there's so many young, promising players at probably eight of the eleven positions. There's no need to call him in right now. Exactly. Styles way different. Exactly, exactly. And guys, hey, uh, we had this fan question uh, from uh, Nick Vildhagen in Skavander, uh, Norway, is asking us. On uh, questions on uh, what improvements has Glasner made? We've been critical enough on him. I'm going to leave this up to you guys because I'd like to kind of make reference to we could be his former club. Matt, go first. <laughs> go ahead. I mean, I think in, uh, it's, it's tough. I think I think the press has definitely made has definitely been a little bit of improvement towards the last couple of games, not counting well. Crap. I don't know what he's improved because everything I'm trying to think of is, you know, how great we were in December and everything we've done from, you know, that November, December time where we were undefeated for like seven out of eight games. Um, everything's gone down the toilet these past three games, you know, and if anything from what I guess from what the start of the season was to what I see now in terms of player improvements, I think Bore has definitely stepped up huge for us. I think Jakic has definitely stepped up uh, big time for us. And Tuta, you know, I think those are the top three players that Glasner has made an impact on um, in terms of player development, in terms of uh, players that are definitely effective on the field for us. Team-wise, I have no idea. I mean, it seemed like, like I said, we just found our identity in the past, you know, November, November to December stretch where we're pressing a lot and, you know, winning balls in, in the right areas. But after that Dortmund game, it just seems like, you know, that's all got down the drain. And, you know, maybe that's just a confidence thing right now. But I think Tuta, Jakic, and Bole are probably the three players that I think have been, uh, that Glasner has been able to, you know, help improve. Yeah. Um, I think... 
Go ahead, Chris. I think there's two different ways to look at this. The first one is tactical. Have we made improvements from week one to where we're now in week 21? Uh, I think he's found his comfort zone with the players he has. He knows what he has and who he can rely on and who's a wild card from week to week. And the other part is how he's managed the expectation because we were all severely disappointed losing out on Champions League last year in the last couple of weeks. And I think there was this assumption that a coach coming in who had just qualified a team for that competition was just automatically going to take us to that next step. Uh, We get excited about that, but the reality is that's not how it works. There's a feeling out process. There's a learning a new system that happens. Um, So what the question being, what has he improved? I don't have an answer for that. I don't think he's improved one specific thing, but I think he has the opportunity uh, with a little bit of work on the psychology of this of this group to take us to that next level. So for me, it, it's a not applicable answer right now. We won't know. And just to piggyback on that as well, um, sorry to no, no, no. cut you off there, Chris, but um, it's hard to ask, ask what kind of improvements a coach has made and what a team has made when we've lost so much over the summer in terms of you know, had people in the office with Bovich, the man, the man of the name we do not speak with, um, dumbass Silva. You know, we we've lost a lot in the last year, and so I think we, that question is probably more relevant when it comes to the end of a season. You know, um, the end of the season, but it's 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 just hard because you know Glasner kind of had to start off from pretty much scratch. You, you know? know, not to beat a dead horse. And maybe I'm in the minority on this, but I think there was a part of our collective fandom that believed Silva was going to be back. I don't know what things looked like behind the scenes, but for a bit, things looked like they were leaning the direction of him staying. And what that does for the psychology of your team with your leading scorer coming back versus having to fill in during you know the summer transfer window, there's a lot of growing pains that goes along with that from the midfield up to the, to the top. And Glasner was not dealt an easy hand. And it, while it was tough in the first 10 weeks, if you had told me that we'd be sitting three points out of Europe right now, I'd have a hard time complaining about it. I do it every week because it's kind of what we do on this podcast, but, um, you know, we're, (laughs) we're a couple wins away, a few points, not lost from being right where we expected to be. So not all is lost at this point in the year. And with that optimism, I'm going to go back to negativity because that's what I do better. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean you're right in a sense. You know, we're only three points away from sixth place, you know. But then again, we're also six points away from relegation. So That says a lot about the league, too, just how it's, there is no separation. I mean, at this point last year, things were a little muddled in the middle. But there was far more separation at the top. The, the bottom was well in hand at this point. And that's where just week to week, we cannot be giving up points. Whether it's one to Augsburg or two to Bielefeld, those are the points you have to have against the lesser teams. And where I say Glasner is an incomplete report card right now is how does he react as the team psychologist uh, to get their head straight where we still have winnable points or uh, winnable matches before the tough string coming up. And yeah, I will now add in the fact that it could be all worse, guys. It could be a lot worse. We could have, you know, when there was that merry-go-round of coaches, uh, Gladbach lost Rosa to Dortmund. They then went and picked off our guy, Wolfsburg, was happy to get rid of Glasner like morons. And, uh, yeah, it's been a circus, dude. It's been a circus. Uh, well, his former club is coming up next, and don't you doubt that he's not going to want to pull out the knives for them. But in the meantime, we'll have Stuttgart ahead of Wolfsburg, and those two clubs have been 
bad. Yeah, um, but two more no, wins hey, for Wolfsburg, you know, they're right training back up time in time. Training time will help. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'll point this out. Stuttgart has kind of been in the bottom half. Like, I mean, one of their good results this season was that draw with us. Stuttgart hasn't scored a goal since December 11th. That's who's next. And they and all they got is a nil-nil draw with Groy to Firth. Even we did something against those guys. Like, uh, so that that should be man. We'll have a lot to talk about when it comes to playing against Stuttgart. And yeah, like I said, we could be Wolfsburg. We could be a team that, after winning their first four matches, uh, they have exactly a grand spanking nine points. Woof. And uh, they haven't they they haven't won since the. Uh, final match before the November international break, and they have had two draws in the meantime. And have act- Wolfsburg has actually not scored guys since November twenty seventh. That's crazy. That's a stat. That. <laughs> Did they so, not have a red light? Hey, at least I'll look at it. Oh, oh, they not Wolfsburg. They no, 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 no. Okay. They're too working class, Chris. For that, they're too working class. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough chipping away at everything. It's time to wrap this uh, are, are, episode wait, up. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Are we here. not doing some uh, predictions mm. for this friendly? Because I got a uh, friendly. No, there's oh, nothing God. friendly. First, really a good there's not five, five nothing. There's mice, nothing friendly about mine. That's why I want to get in on it. But uh, Dominic Core is going to score a goal against us. Throw me for you. It, know, Core is going to score a goal against us. And uh, who knows if Dan Acosta is fit? Maybe he'll score a goal against them. That would be just desserts as well. We'll lose. I mean, we're going to oh, lose. Oh yeah, I friendly. fully intend to lose by like five goals. Uh, okay, geez. not that bad. I'll say like a like a two nil because we're gonna five, we're gonna try to organize seven, some things. Sorry. We're gonna try some experimental shit, which is fine. We need that's to what that's what these are for. We need to figure out the pizza. Hopefully, I think I'm hoping this they scheduled this game so we can get Hinty's head screwed back on right. Yeah, whatever it takes. But who knows? If nothing else, hey, if if you look at it from the standpoint, because there's next to nobody that is left for the international break, you've got all you nearly every single player available. Let's be honest. Uh, only starter that has been taken away is Bore. That's the only out and out starter that is. You, you're the rest of your consistent squad there. So, all right, that's all Figure I had. Figure it out, boys. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, where can we find you in the social media landscape? Twitter, of the world? Discord, Instagram, Peloton at C in the D three one three. On every single platform, goodness me, it's the brand. Yeah. You got to keep it consistent. Uh, smart man, <laughs> smart man, smart man. Uh, Coming from the guy who, uh, yeah, he calls him a smart man. Let's talk about you, Mr. New York, big city man. Where can we find you in the landscape of the social media lens, on t- uh, world? On Twitter, you can find me at underscore wag, M-A, and then on you can follow us on the Instagram page on Hey, I'm Jack Frankfurt. If you haven't followed that yet, I don't know what you're doing. Where are we at with followers on that? I think we're at 117, closing on 120. But there's only one that really matters on there, right? Uh, that's yeah, true. That's true. You know what? Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, if you become the 125th follower of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt on Instagram, we will send you a handful of uh, our uh, our show stickers. So yeah, let's make it 125. We'll we'll do it then. Uh, 150. Um, I will send out an Eintracht hat. Two hundred fifty. We'll see. We'll see what we can do Brian's when we get paycheck. there. I huh. like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, commission checks rolling in, so money's got to go somewhere. <laughs> Anywho, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Ways that you can get in contact with the podcast is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com, facebook.com slash hepod. Of course, you can always follow us, and we always love a follow uh, on Twitter, Instagram, or just subscribing to our podcast itself. We're, as you, anyone can tell, we're fans of the club. This is made for uh by fans for the fans so any uh support you can give us is appreciated and uh yeah no match uh 
this weekend. We got a test match against Mainz on Thursday. That's available uh, for free through Eintracht TV. So enjoy it there. Uh, until next time that we then get to preview Eintracht and Stuttgart. Tschüss. There's nothing friendly about Mainz. Hey, I'm Frankfurt, cha la 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 la. Hey, I'm Frankfurt, cha